Welcome to She Knows, hosted by Brandon Burns, another show from Torched Productions. This is the show where we tell the stories of amazing women doing amazing things. We share stories of adversity, success, leading as a woman, overcoming challenges with gender, stereotypes and role models for women all over the world. Tune in to walk away with at least one key inside every episode that will help you on your journey. Let's get down to the show and if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and review us on all your favourite platforms and visit us at gettorched.com. Welcome back everyone to another episode of our brand new show, She Knows, with your host Brandon Burns. I'm excited for today's guest. She's joining me from Lockdown Melbourne, which is quite similar to my circumstance, but she's up and about, she's got a great energy about it. Let me tell you a little bit about what she's currently up to. So she and her husband, Dean, are the co-founders of Studio 46 Personal Training, one of Australia's leading studios. She's also an accountant. Can you believe it? So I reckon she's pretty on top of doing her own books. She is a Les Mills master trainer, and she's worked alongside Michelle Bridges, who a lot of you will know and recognise. And she's also the proud mother of two boys, a 14 and a 10-year-old. So she's got her hands full. Kirsty, Robbie, how are you? Oh, great. It's the sun shining today, so that's that's a positive. But, uh, yeah, great to, great to be here. It's a real honour, so thank you. Pleasure. Now, I forgot to add in there, what's it like being the most famous sister of Margot Robbie? <laughs> Do you know what? I must say, and I haven't done my homework, but apparently amongst our family there's a rumour that we are potentially related. So I'm going to do my homework, and my husband turns 50 uh, next next year, and I would, uh, wouldn't that be a nice surprise for him? <laughs> we're <Hey>. related. <laughs> Straight to Hollywood, hey? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, before we get into it, there's something you shared with me off air, which I reckon is really um, cool and topical given the AFL finals are literally underway and there's a, a little-known underperforming team called Melbourne that's got one hand on the cup. Tell me about your connection to the Melbourne Footy Club. Well, my dad uh, played in 1963 and 64. He was a, a kid from Casterton in Western Victoria and got drafted um, up to Melbourne. I think he was drafted to Collingwood or something, but he refused to play for them. So he ended up uh, at Melbourne. And, um, yeah, so he was part of a 64 team and uh, got his little blazer, which still is in mint condition. And still fits him, which is which is good, I reckon. So uh, yeah, so he that that's sort of my connection. So we're hoping, no expectations no, though. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a bit of a way to go, but it's always yeah. better when you win that first final. Um, one thing I love to do at the beginning of the show, really to, to humanise our guests and to break it down, is to talk through a day in the life. And obviously, we we get you to talk us through what it looks like, kind of pre and post lockdown what it looks like during and one thing I just want to do quickly is because people are going to google and, and check you out furiously whilst they're listening what's the current web url where people can just have a look while we're talking yes yeah, studio46.com.au so studio and it's number four number six.com.au awesome yeah. all right we'll talk us through what a typical day in the life looks like at the moment or, or yeah well I mean no doubt you're probably itching to remain active and, and keep your clients yeah. motivated and everything, but because we, we want to get an insight into um, you know, maybe a couple of things you've implemented in lockdown that have really gotten you through as well. 
Yeah, I think um, for us is, is trying to maintain a routine. Obviously not the same routine, but I think that's for everyone is routine is key. Um, so we, we have, um, you know, a, a large portion of our clients still engaging um, with some PT, so online. So my typical day would be get up. I always start the day with a um, glass of hot water and then I sort of get myself set up in my PT space and uh, jump online, do a few clients, um, check in on the kids, make sure they are up for homeschooling and, and sorted. And um, I generally would do a bit of a walk. I've got a golden retriever. So I get my walk in before lunch. And then in the afternoon, I'll engage in some sort of re resistance training of some sort, whether I'm, I mean, I'm lucky enough, I can still go into our studio. It's within my 5K. Um, yeah. Or I do stuff in the backyard with my boys, um, you know, keep them active as well because it's good for their mental health. Um, they're quite sporty kids, so losing all their sports quite tough, as with most kids. So we're keeping yeah. that up with them. So, yeah, a few so, emails, you know, a few ad yeah. bit of admin. Yeah, check the figures. <laughs> they don't change much, but I just keep checking them just in case. <laughs> Tell me, um, with a 10-year-old and a 14-year-old, two boys growing, um, what's the grocery bill? What's happened to that? I cannot tell you. I had no idea. And the, the sleep, all they do is sleep, eat, and play PlayStation. It's, it's actually insane. Yeah. They've grown a lot, actually. It's, it's, and speaking to clients and, and friends, the boys in particular have shot up, and I think that comes down to a lot of rest which they wouldn't normally get with their crazy routine. Um, so they're sleeping and eating well instead of what you put in a lunchbox. I've got bacon and eggs going on. I had steak on the barbecue the other day for lunch. It's crazy. Yeah. Good. Mm. I love that. Um, and what do you try and do to incorporate exercise sort of with them uh, whilst at home? Well, we're very lucky around our area. We've got a beautiful golf course that's obviously not being used, utilised at the moment. So often take them down there and we'll run, you know, from green to, to green. So it's not too far for them. They get a bit of a rest, do some body weight training. Um, the little one, he's very social. So he's out with a mate riding around the neighbourhood. Um, so it's just, it's finding stuff that they enjoy at the moment is, is really important. Do some, yeah. you know, basketball shots and then run down the end of the street and back and, yeah, just fun stuff. Now, I have to ask, with, with lockdown and being an entrepreneur and a person running a business that's traditionally relied upon that physical kind of tactile interaction and knowing that we've kind of been in this scenario of lockdown a few times now, talk to me about people's appetite, their fatigue for the online and virtual delivery was it initially more popular than it is now or have people gotten more used to it or are people over it? Yeah. yeah. We found um, it's, it really comes down to personality type is, is, is what we found. So the, the same people continue to engage and then the same people disengage. So group training, we have a small portion of that. So I'm, when I talk about my business, it's mainly the one-on-one -on -one sort of stuff. So those who are used to routine do take their health quite seriously are the ones that that stick to it mm -hmm. um and which is good because I don't see us as yes you know we obviously specialize in movement but I feel like we are more about 
um, changing behaviour. So, you know, those clients who really do want to change and are in the swing of things and then obviously we are the motivator, that they'll, they'll tend to stick to it. You know, something's better than nothing and it's more at the moment about mental health. So every client we see at the end will always say, oh, my God, I feel so much better. Thank you. You know, so um, that that's sort of where we're at with that. I love it. Excellent. Look, this next question I've got for you, um, I reckon you've got a ripping response to this one and quite a unique scenario. Talk me through um, who some of those key role models were growing up, whether they be male or female, and uh, and your unique experience. Yeah. Well, I think my dad played a massive role uh, in, in that, being so sporty, and I was also quite talented at sport. I was gymnastics was my main area of expertise obviously that takes up a lot of time but as I moved into um, you know my working life um, I had a lady uh, at Les Mills who was the head of the the training side of stuff there Kylie Gates she's massive over in New Zealand now anyway she I really connected with she was she just said it how it was straight to the point um yeah she was unique in that way so I learned a lot I think communication is is really key and that's what she taught me so yeah yeah and talk me through the circumstance um sort of how you grew up and the dynamic in the house yeah so you know we there's a lot of talk chatter at the moment around you know males and females being equal and I'm all for that especially in the workplace you know I can't see the difference if you got two people regardless of the gender that can do the job then the best person should get the job right um but you know the, the I grew up in I lost my mum unfortunately when uh I was only 14 so I was brought up with my dad and my brother and you know some people can look at that as the disadvantage I see it as an advantage because when I started, my first job was in a transport company. So you can imagine the male, very male-dominated yeah. space uh, in finance there. And then I moved into forestry. So I was from Mount Gambier in South Australia. So that was kind of the two big industries. And what it allowed me to do is this, the, the, the persuading or the debating that happened at home in, when I was younger with my brothers and my dad allowed me to communicate quite well with the men and what I worked out early on is that men and women are very different in terms of communication the message that you're trying to deliver needs to be different when you're talking to a male as opposed to a female and I think that really has helped me uh, especially in the personal training world um, you know when you're trying to change behavior and you're training a male client um, you know you do, the way you deliver things is very different to how you would a female so connecting so is key I mean, this is this is really cool. But can you give me maybe a you know a live example or a bit of a reference point for where this has really served you and an example of how someone else might be able to apply it? Well, I think number one is being able to read the room and and listen to what the other person's saying and uh, not. When I say listen, so sit with what they're saying and don't speak too soon. And when you do speak, depending on the person, you know, especially males, you just, there's no fluff, just straight to the point, um, you know, in a, in a soft, compassionate way, but strong at the same time. 
Um, and, you know, females, you can do that too, depending on their personality type. I've done a lot of work in um, personality types. There's lots of different personality profiling stuff around. But um, I just remember many times, you know, as I'd walk out to, you know, go to the freight office, you know, when in transport, I had to almost like take a breath and go, okay, now I've walked from an office of females and now I'm heading out to the world of the men how do I carry myself, what I say, you know, the way that I address them, you know, it's just be strong, be clear, g'day fellas, you know, it, it, it just morphing into different. In fact, my son laughs all the time, my older one says I've got multiple personalities. <laughs> I take that as different hats. But he often goes, which, which personality is this one, mum? So, yeah, so there's lots. Like even this morning I had two clients, a male, female, back to back. Both of them didn't sleep for different reasons. And one I nurtured and the other one I just listened, you know. So it just, it just, yeah, I think that's yeah. how I apply it. It's hard to, I've done a lot of reading and a lot of interaction with different people, which helps. You live yeah. and learn. Yeah, agreed. Um, so when you were younger, you mentioned gym, gymnastics was your thing very, you know, heavily sport-oriented um, upbringing, you know, high achiever, high performer. Who was some role models, some female role models when you were younger that you looked up to from afar who were maybe doing great stuff? Or it could even be someone a little bit more obscure that we might not mainstream know as much about. Yeah. Um, for me, it was the people closest to me. So I didn't really look up to, like, a sporting person I don't really get inspired that way. It's more what people, how people make me feel at the time and what I can learn. I always want to learn something. So um, I've multiple people that I just soak up information from and so it's not just one person that influences me. Yep. Um, there's a lot of people full of crap, I must say, but it's, it's those who really hit in here, you know, I'm very much about doing what you love, doing things for the right reason, and um, just depending on what they're saying will resonate with me, and you know, I'll follow them or you know, hook onto what they're saying. Yeah, you've had the luck of travelling abroad, especially when you um, spent time with Les Mills across Asia and and throughout that APAC region, yeah. and you've obviously been in this industry in particular for quite some time whether it be within this industry or even just in general, are there some gender-specific challenges you've either faced directly or maybe you've witnessed others facing that you've either been um, annoyed by or you maybe you've gotten involved in trying to fix? Um, again, I think it for me I haven't really felt that gender-specific thing Um and I think that comes back to my, my upbringing, my ability to be able to connect in the male world. Um, I do see people struggle in that. And I think my mission for, for my staff and, you know, especially in the female is to really be confident in what they know and mm -hmm. stick in your lane, like be, be influenced by the right people, not by the situation, if that makes sense. Um, and, yeah, just just be confident. It's Fake it till you make it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> fake it till you make it. 
Um, I think we just got the, the bite from your episode. You know, that's what we're going with. <laughs> no, one of my one of my new coaches that just come on, he just said, you just gotta fake it till you make it. Like I love it. Obviously, we don't do that. We know our stuff, but that was around social media because it's just that's my biggest fear, actually. Social media scares me. Yeah. Well, I'll, we will get to that, but I want to ask you <laughs> while we're on the topic of these gender-specific challenges. Can yeah. you also give me a perspective uh, as a mum raising two teenage boys in, you know, a different world now, 2021. It's quite progressive. There's a lot of, you know, talk around... Um, you know, the whole landscape, uh, how do you feel towards them and what are you trying to work on with them? Compassion mm-hmm. is the big one. There's one word for them. Expand, expand. <laughs> well, I think, you know, it's really tricky. It's really tricky for them. There are, you know, I, as a female, I'm really worried about that chivalry, that that. that is going to disappear, you know, opening the door for someone, you know, those boys aren't exposed to anything like that. So, you know, will, you know, respect, compassion, um, be good listeners, um, very aware that it's their journey as well. So, you know, we try and parents, you know, we've got obviously guidelines and, and stuff like that for them, but it is their journey to explore and having that communication again, that open, honest communication. There's no question that's off limits for us, no discussion. We try not to keep secrets from our kids. Um, And I think that will help them navigate life. So we're not trying to shield them from too much because they need to, to hear this, obviously, you know, the right stuff, but to be able to, to make an informed decision by having information and, and having that conversation around those gender issues. The schools do an incredible job, I find, at the moment. Um, so there's not a lot. All we do as parents is then follow up on that curiosity and not to shut down, not to shut that down. I think respect, especially for the boys, is not to shut anyone down, male or female, and just be very aware of, of listening. I don't think people listen enough. Mm-hmm. Good point. Um, now that you've gotten to where you are now, and it sounds like you're in a great space, um, what are some things that still really bug you as needing to change that you'd love to see change because you can see how much of a difference they'd make for someone else coming through and maybe even make it easier and quicker for someone coming through if you could just make those key changes to a few things that still really bug you? Um, in our in our industry specifically, it's quite even at the at the sort of I'm not going to say bottom end, but just across the industry in terms of male, female. What I find is females feel that they have to sit in a t- certain type of training, and then males sit over here in a certain type of training. And then I look at the high level elite sport, you know, just AFL for example, because that's a hot topic around Melbourne at the moment. You know, all their head strength conditioning guys are all males. You know, I want to know why is that? Is it is it because, you know, it, will that change as as more females come into that space? Like we've got some awesome coaches that are female in, you know, in that space. Um, or, you know, is the AFL at the moment because they have all those years of experience and that's where the industry was back then. So I'm really interested to explore that further um, and to find out, you know, why 
is at the top level of sport, a lot of those high-end jobs are males. Why are they not females? Is it just the time that's, that's required to put in by those high-level strength and conditioning coaches that females, when they have families, they have to give that up? Like, it's, it's an interesting space for me and that's something that's sort of on my radar is to find out what, what's going on there and how can we change that? I have to, I have to admit, like, I can see how you could uh, do that position really, really well because of your ability to communicate with, with men so well. Um, if you were in one of those positions, what do you think is one key thing maybe you'd do different to have an edge over the 17 others? Uh, I don't know. It was hard to answer that because I don't know what they do or, or say. Um, but I would just stick to what I've always done and that's just let my skills talk um, and just answer everything honestly and, and you know, straight to the point. And, and I think at that level, everyone is so different. There's no wrong or right way to train someone and every body, as in body, people's body is very different. different. And I think it's, you know, hardworking, intuitive female might, be the edge that clubs might need. I don't know. <laughs> I love it. Hard to, hard to know. <laughs> now, there's going to be multiple answers to this question, and I'm keen to hear all of them. Some will be related to your day. Some may be related to your diet. Some may be related to mindfulness practices. Um, but I'd love to understand what are some of the key secrets to success, and it could be with regards to an optimal day. It could be with regards to an optimal year or decade, but what are what are some of those key things that are really uh, hallmarks of what makes you so successful? Uh, routine, mm-hmm. um, organization. Now, I, I would say that I'm not the most. I'm certainly not OCD. I'm not organized in that way, but organized in that I have a clear plan. Um, now that plan can change dramatically it's not about how you get there because that's all over the place it's not just one direction but but understanding your why so and that's what drives me on a daily basis so whether that's to do with the children whether that's to do with the business my team my husband you know what what's my objective and then it then you fill in the gaps around that and it's the same as my nutrition you know where am I at at the moment what are, what's the objective, what's the outcome? Okay, I've got eight weeks. I want to, you know, increase my fitness in X, Y, Z. There's the objective. Now do the planning to get there, you know. Um, the same as if you, you know, planning your weekly meals so you don't eat crap, you know, same thing. What's my objective for the week? What am I focusing on? Okay, let's do this. Um, so that sort of sounds very regimented, but it's actually not. It, you're pivoting all the time based on what's going on around you, but the objective stays the same. Okay, so what does a cheat day, cheat meal look like? Uh, whatever I want it to be because there's no right or wrong food. It's just the wrong quantity or the wrong dosage, same as exercise. So if I feel like, you know, some chocolate, then I'll have some chocolate, but I'll be very aware of the impact that that can have to my end objective. Mm-hmm. So it's like children, you know, when you tell them they can't have that lolly or something and then they, so all they do is they want to do that or they want to have that. We're no different. 
So if you allow yourself to go, you know what, I can have that chocolate, but there's a consequence to doing that. Am I okay with that consequence? Great. Yep, I'm going to have the chocolate. Therefore, it's guilt-free and you enjoy it or you say, no, I'm going to pass on that. So you mentioned earlier um, with regards to what we're all going through at the moment, the mental health side and effects and also how a lot of your clients, it appears that you're really adding value from that aspect as well. You've got those teenage kids at home and no doubt you know, you're aware of what's going on with schools and everything. Um, what's something from your perspective that's easy to implement and doesn't feel too overwhelming to do as an individual that can help uh, balance up or assist with our, our mental health during these times? Uh, I think self, there's a lot of talk about self-care. I like to use the word self-compassion. So um, being, being not too hard on yourself if, and, and acknowledging those feelings that, that you feel, if you are feeling sad, then acknowledge that. Or if you are feeling blue, you acknowledge those feelings because they are real and you don't have to feel bad for that. But then what, you, what is your choice? Because you can't choose your feelings. They are what they are. Um, but you can choose how long you sit and what you do with those, those feelings. So I tend to say to my clients, you know, if they, if they do sort of come into a session and they're really fine, I said, yeah, I get it. You know, I feel the same. I had a day like that yesterday. But right now we're focused on you and, and you've turned up. So it's turning up, you know, if you decide that you want to go for a walk, then just put your shoes on, walk out the gate. And I was saying, you know what, five minutes into it, if you really still can't be asked, then walk back home. At least you filled in 10 minutes of, of a lockdown day. <laughs> but nine times out of 10, you keep walking, right? Or you keep running or whatever it is you're doing. Um, so it's just, it's just getting started and choose how long you sit with those feelings. Is there time in the day for Netflix? If so, what are you binging right now? Oh, my God. I've just started. Seriously, I never watch TV normally. So when life's normal, it's crazy, running kids around, it's business, you know, all that sort of stuff. But I'm into a million, a million little things. And it is beautiful. I'm only a few episodes in, but the storyline is really uplifting. For, for now it's about a friendship group and you know stuff goes down and just very I think it's awesome so I really highly recommend it I love that excellent <laughs> is it a Netflix one or a Stan one or a Disney it's it's Stan I think it's a it's a Stan one yep tell me um we spoke earlier about uh you were sort of alluding to one of your biggest fears give me a couple if you can and talk me through sort of why they are uh, reopening, <laughs> getting back in the studio, is that actually ever going to happen? Um, yeah. No, I think for me it's the the crazy social media world, the digital space. I mean, I we pivoted really quickly with work, uh, with the business, because I always had an online plan. I investigated it um, and just decided it's something I wasn't, wasn't for me. I liked the face-to-face approach and I always think there is always going to be a need for that um so I was able to to really pivot quickly and press play on the the online business model um which worked well but there's also that you know the the people I employ 
are really humble. So there's really no ego, which is probably our greatest strength, but also our greatest weakness when it comes to social media, like Instagram and stuff. None of my team, including myself, really like jumping on and, and putting ourselves into that space because we're very much about movement and circumstance are very much individualized. And when you look on Instagram, you don't know the context behind what's going on or, or what that exercise is or what it's for. And uh, so it's, it's really tricky. Um, and I feel our space in particular is dominated by body beautiful what you eat it's almost like you're trying to help but you make people feel really bad about themselves does that mm. make sense so oh my god you know she looks like that because she eats like that but does she really like it's just it's it's a re- for our industry I'm not so sure it's that positive yeah so, so it's, it's a fear for me what, yeah. what's that doing to people I'd love to know what's that doing to people and is it actually helping them or is it making them feel worse yeah yeah it's um it's an interesting uh topic because you know yourself and myself included we have the reference structure from probably early 2000s of a world pre social media pre youtube pre online really and uh, there's no doubt that people's access to information has gotten better but uh I'll be honest and say just on a personal note, I do fantasise at times about a complete removal just of social media in society. Um, it's been great to be able to connect people. I guess the question for you is how, how do you deliver an online experience without having to really have a huge online presence like you talked about? Like what have you been able to fall back on or rely on in the experience that you've delivered pre-having to move it online? that makes you think these clients have gone, you know what, we don't really care if you're not huge on Instagram as an example. You know, that's not what we're here for. Well, but, you know, for another trainer listing who's maybe starting and they've they've seen the Kayla Ritzine's sweat story and, you know, she's sold a, a workout app for 400 mil and, you know, <laughs> how, how, how have you done it then without social media? I'm very interested to know. Uh, well, I think it, it comes down to what I was talking about before is, is a, knowing your why, um, being good communicators at your message, uh, looking after people, it really is that personal touch. And then the success follows on from there because your greatest um, advocates, you know, being your clients, the other ones are going to tell the story. They're going to be your raving fans. Um, I think social media plays a part. If someone's checking you out, you know, they've already heard about you perhaps from someone and they go and check you out to see what you're doing. But it, you know, it's, yeah, look, the Kaylee Itsteins of the world, they have their role and I guess it's hard for me because my studio average age is around that 42 mark, you know, sort of early to mid-40s who aren't really big on the Instagram and Facebook either. So, um, but that younger def- demographic absolutely are. So that's where I think, you know, if you are a trainer starting out, you have to know your why, what, who's your market? And that's what it comes down to um, is who's your market and how you're going to best reach them. Because I know for us, the market we're after are really not on social media. Yeah. That's not where they get their proof from. Now, I know you train um, our co-founder, Terry, and uh, he prides himself on being pretty fit. 
Um, he's awesome. What most surprised you about his uh, strength and conditioning? Is it his kettlebell swings or is it his dead squat lifts? You know, what is he? What is he beast mode in the gym? Oh my god! So I just throw anything and everything at him. We're very uh, much about. Uh, I know it's throwing around function movement, but movements are carry over to life. So, you know, what's going to help you, you know, when you're 75 and you're trying to get out of a swimming pool, can you actually get out of that swimming pool type type scenario? That that helps put it yeah. in perspective. But, yeah, there's nothing I give Terry that he doesn't attempt and, and can't do. Like he's just strong from top to, to bottom. He... Um, like I said, I've been training him for 20 years. He turns up regardless, grumpy, happy, which we're not sure which Terry we're going to get, but <laughs> I love it. I always manage to make him feel better by the end of it. Um, but we have so many clients like that. Like there's a, you know, our oldest client is 89 um, wow. and she swings. She's incredible. Um, it's nuts. She get, well, I freak out. I think, oh, my God, she's going to fall off and, hurt herself but no nah, she just loves it so yeah it's great so yeah he's certainly very fit when you think about his age and, and how he moves and what he can do it's pretty incredible and that just shows consistent training I took him on he'd never done any training and he was 40 and he's now 60 soon so it's pretty yeah. amazing yeah he looks 40 um like it's amazing isn't it it's all you it's all you <laughs> now I have to um, ask um, what is that secret talent or a secret talents that you have that maybe only those really closest to you uh, know that you possess? And the weirder, the better. <laughs> it's the it's the ability to wear multiple hats. So a typical day would be, you know, work with clients, then you flip home, get the kids ready for school, then you flip back to the studio and you work with clients, then you put your accounting hat on, you're in the office, you're doing sales, you're doing your accounting, and then you flip your hat back on, do your own workout, then you go and get the kids. So is this, this, you know, then you've got to be a wife in there somewhere. So it's the ability to maintain the same energy but slip into, like my son says, different personalities. And I find that really handy at, uh, you know, school functions or, you know, when you're at those social functions because you don't really know people. So just sliding into these different conversations um, and changing not who you are but just how you're communicating with whoever you're talking to I think that's probably a special talent um, yeah. yeah and for our audience listening like we've obviously got an insight today into your, your family um, can you just run us through what that support structure that you have put in place for yourself looks like and who are those key players we have no family here in Melbourne so we have no help so we um, crazily started Studio 46 when my 14-year-old was just over 12 months old. Um, so, yeah, started from scratch with him sleeping under my desk, on my desk, you name it. He slept even in a, in a cabinet at one point. But, um, yeah, we support structure. We just did it. We just hard workers. So, and I just... Yeah just rely on um, doing, I don't know, how we do it. I don't know how we do it. With your, um, how do you go having your life partner as your business partner? Great. He's incredible. Um, he, again, knows when to speak and when not to speak and when to let me 
go crazy and vice versa. I think again, we have distinct roles in in what we do. So, and not not deliberately, it's just how it worked out. Um, you know, we were really great best friends before we got romantically involved, which I think helps. Um, but yeah, like I said, we have distinct roles, and um, yeah, we just—I don't know—it just works. Everyone asks that question, and you know what? And I—I I, I hate being away from him. I love being in the same space, but I don't have to talk to him all the time. I just need to be—I <laughs> just need him to be around somewhere. So, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But we've got um, a great, great team of people around us in terms of employees as well. So. Mm-hmm. Who do you hire on your team? Um, they're like family. They are our family, our Melbourne family. So I think that's probably where the support comes from. It's brilliant. Um, so for us as an audience and, and listening in, how can we do more than just check you out? How can we collaborate? How can we get involved? Um, how can we participate in something with you? Yeah, tell us all about it. Uh, how do you get involved with us? Oh, mate, give me a call. <laughs> I'm the old school, pick up the phone. No. Um, yeah, like we, we've got a, a studio in Caulfield um, when it opens. So, um, you know, there's lots of ways that you can um, connect with us, whether it's just a, a coaching session um, online, whether it's a nutrition session. Um, we've got different specialists in different roles. Um, at the moment, it's just, it's just all online. So, um, and then obviously our social media, um, which is, yeah social media <laughs> i wouldn't say it's amazing but um it's there <laughs> yeah well yeah for everyone listening and watching like because we've run out of your time now we do want to hold you to a part two and the intention always was with she knows that we'd be filming in studio we've got a setup in melbourne and we really want to bring uh ask the expert style uh session to our viewers on youtube so I think it's going to be great when we can get um, Kirsty in the studio and we can really dive deeper into specific topics that I know you're an expert on. And then also when we have our round table with six to eight diverse women all uh, facilitating a healthy debate. So thanks for your support for our little show. We're, you know, we're about six episodes in, but uh, awesome. this has been one of the best. And, and um, good on you for being so upbeat and positive and uh, during these times and, and, We'd love to get behind you and your business and help whichever way we can. Oh, and thank you for taking an interest in uh, females. And, you know, for us, there is so much in these heads of ours. And I love the idea of it's a forum or ask questions, ask the expert because people, yeah, you want to help in any way you can. So thank you for your support and, and to everyone that you're going to touch. It's great. Kirsty Robbie, thank you. Thanks for joining us for another episode of She Knows. If you loved what you heard, then do us a favor and review and subscribe to us on all your favorite platforms. To get in touch, head to gettorched.com and see you on the next episode.